Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental health nor emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he has gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as they individually and personally choose while accepting full responsibility for their own individual thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you are acknowledging that you and only you are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome back to the last symptom of borderline personality disorder podcast. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of this show. Regular listeners know that I was in the Pocono Mountains all week on a wilderness backpacking trip, and maybe you're wondering how that went. I went to Philadelphia, and I haunted some of my old regular stomping grounds up there. That was really nice. I consider Philly my home, and I hadn't spent any real time there for about four years, so I got to see some things that had changed. There's a Barnes & Noble bookstore between Abington and Jenkintown, and I was a pretty regular visitor there. And I was really hoping to spend some time there, but it's been turned into a CVS pharmacy. So that was a bit depressing. But the incredible liquor store that's just right up the hill next to Trader Joe's and the Starbucks with the worst parking in the whole universe, they're still intact. So that's a small consolation. How about the backpacking trip itself? Well, the conditions were extreme with wet snow about halfway up to the knee, soaking wet conditions and not a whole lot of daylight to work with. Temperatures on two nights dropped down to four degrees Fahrenheit. That's negative 15.6 degrees Celsius. So it was it was cold. On both those mornings my boots were frozen solid when I got up the next day. Like concrete. It wasn't easy getting my feet in them. Especially with a full bladder. The surroundings were pristine and uh, on the night of the full moon the cloud cover finally cleared away. So I was able to enjoy that sight from deep in the mountains away from all civilization. The food was phenomenal. I cooked bacon, pork roast, stews over my fire. All the bears and animals are hibernating. And so food doesn't spoil. I mean, you're basically walking around in a refrigerator. So (laughs) there are no limits to the food you can take. Now, let's get down to business. And let's talk about things related to emotional health. In the last episode episode 21 I had a guest named Jessica on and there are some good insights to be had from that interview so I wanted to break down that show a little bit more and and get a little deeper into it if you'll remember at one point Jessica spoke about her fear of intimacy being a rational response a rational response to having past intimacies abused and I completely agreed with her that her fear of intimacy and her behaviors was quote-unquote rational. But wait, how can this be? Isn't it my argument that an aversion to genuine intimacy is one of the factors at the root of the entirety of borderline personality disorder and that this aversion must be overcome? So why then would I fully agree with her that her fear of intimacy is quote-unquote rational, if at the same time 
I insist that this attitude toward intimacy is extremely destructive and must be fixed. Rational simply means that from one's current perspective, a thing makes perfect sense. So if in my life I've only ever seen cars driving on the right side of the road, and then without any prior knowledge of the UK, I go there and I start driving on the right in the right lane, this is rational behavior. But the fact that it's rational does not change the fact that it is also extremely dangerous and illegal. Still, given all my life's experience, it is completely and totally rational behavior on my part. It is logical. Another important point is that feelings are inherently valid. Inherently valid. For example, if my daughter is afraid of sharks and she's also afraid of pillows, her fear of pillows is not less valid than her fear of sharks. People struggle with understanding this because they're so focused on whether the cause of, a, of an emotion makes sense or not. But hear me out. The cause of fear is irrelevant for purposes of validity. A feeling is valid in and of itself, regardless of any other factor. Now, this doesn't mean that it's a healthy or constructive feeling, or that it's resulting in healthy or constructive behaviors. It simply means that the reason for the fear matters second, not first. So a healthy person focuses first on the other person's emotion in and of itself, and that is the primary concern, not the cause. The cause is a secondary relevant factor. My daughter wakes up in terror from a nightmare. She's terrified and she's crying. What is my reaction inside of me? What am I feeling? Is my primary thought, well, this just don't make sense. She's not in any literal danger, so there's nothing for me to be concerned about here. And then I coldly explain this to her. Hey, you got nothing to be afraid of, so why don't you just accept this and go back to sleep? No. I'm not concerned at that moment about the cause or reasons for her terror. All I'm concerned about is how she feels. Her feeling, her terror, in and of itself is my only concern. I myself am feeling worried for her, protective, sad, helpless, all because of what? Her terror. Not because of the cause of her terror, but because of the terror itself. I can figure out and worry about the cause later. Is crying a rational behavior to feeling terrified? If you feel terrified, is it rational to cry? Yes, of course it is. So it doesn't matter if I know that the monster in my daughter's dream is not real. Her tears are still rational. So Jessica, in episode 21, feels, now these are her feelings we're talking about, she feels 
that intimacy is dangerous. Therefore, her resulting behaviors, the way she behaves in relation to intimacy, based on how she feels, is completely rational. And nothing has to lend her feelings validity. Her feelings are inherently valid. Whatever she feels, I can empathize with the feelings and see that her resulting approach to intimacy is rational. Not necessarily healthy, not necessarily based on accurate perspective, but rational nonetheless, based on her current feelings, her current understanding of things, and her experiences and perception. Even while I'm empathizing with her feelings and recognizing the logic of her behaviors, I may also be putting it all into context, which is what I was doing while we were recording that, that episode. See, because of my understanding of all the broader components involved, I may have more information than she does, which may shed light on her erroneous perspective, which may explain why she feels the way she does, that she might not fully understand at this moment. Once she fully understands those things herself, her feelings might change. But for now, I can just recognize that her feelings just are what they are for the time being, and that the resulting behaviors make sense. Somebody asked me, well, how do I get to objective perspective? How do I achieve that? And the answer is, you never do entirely. Because we don't live in that universe. The very universe we inhabit, the reality that you and I live in, is subjective by nature. You live in a universe of relativity. You're never going to achieve genuine objectivity or non-relativity because then you'd be God. At any moment, I may encounter new details which completely alter my perspective of my present reality or the reality of life. However, the goal is to align our perspective as accurately as we can with the reality we exist in. In the case of emotional disorders, these two things are worlds apart. What I mean is there's a great chasm between one's perspective of things and the reality that they exist in. We'll analyze this a little bit more as we go along. Almost everything we discuss here regarding emotional health involves subjective perspective. That means from where you are standing with the knowledge and understanding you have right now, lots of incorrect things make rational sense, which with recovery, education, insight, and progress, you'll soon look back on and realize was erroneous thinking based on limited or erroneous information. This is why emotional disorders are not mental illnesses. Mental illnesses do not operate in the realm of rationality. Emotional disorders do operate in the realm of perfect rationality, but the rationale is based on bad or limited information. This is why emotional disorders can be cured with accurate education and insight, and mental illnesses cannot. You can't rationalize your way out of mental illness. 
because the mental functioning itself is infirm. It is not operating correctly. You who are living with only emotional disorders, your mental abilities are operating just the way they are designed to operate. We simply need to straighten out the foundation information that you're using to inform your perspective of things. Let's talk about your feelings. Your feelings are always true. Your feelings are always based on how you really think and feel. So what I'm telling you is that your feelings are never false. They're never feeding you false information. However, this doesn't mean that your feelings can always be used for making decisions. Or that your feelings are always being born of accurate perception or thought. Or that they aren't an indication that you have to correct your thinking. It simply means that whatever you feel at any time is a genuine, pure result of your thoughts. Thoughts that are either conscious or subconscious. Your feelings always come from your thoughts. That's the way that works. People think sometimes that they just feel something and that no thought preceded it. This is false. Your feelings always come from your thoughts. And those thoughts can be subconscious or they can be conscious. Subconscious beliefs, by the way, are just thoughts. So feelings come from subconscious beliefs. You have no power over your feelings. Your feelings just are what they are at any given time. Feeling isn't something you do. Feeling is something you experience. Thinking is something you do. So your perception may be entirely off on a thing. For example, racists believe negative things erroneously about entire groups of people. And their resulting feelings, such as anger, hate, and suspicion, are rational. Yes, you heard me say that correctly. A racist's feelings are rational. Given the underlying distorted beliefs that are giving birth to those feelings. For example, those people are bad. They're all one way. They have harmful intentions. They're all inferior. They cause lots of unpleasant problems for others. So I'm not defending racists. I'm using them as an extreme example of how erroneous thinking or perception founded on inaccurate facts creates rational feelings as a result. We can't say that a racist's feelings toward a group of people are bad or illogical. No matter how we feel about it, we can't say that. Their feelings just are natural resulting information that are born of their inner thoughts and inner beliefs, many of them subconscious beliefs, which means they're not consciously aware that they even have those thoughts. Based on their thoughts, on their perspective, the resulting feelings are perfectly natural. And as I've explained before, there's no such thing as a good or bad feeling. Feelings aren't good or bad, they just are what they are. You know, it's like the signal being sent to a GPS unit. The information being beamed in that signal is not good or bad. It just is what it is. So it's not useful in trying to change feelings. That's pointless. Feelings aren't something we control. And anybody who believes they can control their feelings is mistaken. Your ability to not exhibit feelings, you know, to sit stone-faced, does not mean you're not feeling those feelings anymore. All it means is that you're not revealing them to others. But you're still feeling the feelings. Now, the only thing we can control or change are our thoughts. 
And in one of the past podcasts, I explained how this gives us a measure of control over our feelings because we can control what we think, what we continue to think about, and the, the thoughts that we entertain. So in that regard, we do have a measure of control over our feelings. So in the case of emotional disorders, our feelings are not the culprit. Your feelings are not the culprit. That's not where the problem is. That's not anything you have to change. The feelings are coming from thoughts or perspective that is working on false information or a lack of accurate information. And this is why education and insight is ultimately the cure. We can fix our perspective. Let me give you an example. In high school, I knew a guy who would be nice to me during the first part of the day. I, I, I liked the guy a lot. I started off liking the guy a lot. He was nice to me every morning. And then in the second half of the day, he always treated me like a complete jerk. It was maddening the way he would change from morning to afternoon. And every day it was like this for months. So I concluded, based on my direct interactions with this person, that he was a loose cannon, a psychopath, and I had to be careful around this guy. In fact, I had an experience with him one afternoon. We, I had gym class in the afternoon, and at the time I'd had surgery on my knee, and I was sitting up on uh, this stage, and he said, hey, move it. And I said, I'm not going to move. I don't have to move for you. Well, he grabbed me by the front of the shirt, and he threw me like a football out into the, <laughs> out into the auditorium. And it's a wonder I didn't damage my knee more, but th this is the guy I'm talking about. You can see that I just I knew that he was a psychopath, and uh, you couldn't have convinced me otherwise. Do you know that after six months of this, <laughs> I discovered that this person was a twin? There were two of him. <laughs> in the mornings, I was dealing with one brother. And in the afternoons, I was encountering the other twin brother. The, the one in the morning liked me, and the one in the afternoons hated my guts. <laughs> Do you see how this new information completely altered my view of the reality that I thought I was dealing with? And yet for six months, you could not have convinced me that this guy was not a psychopath. My conclusions and my feelings were completely rational and logical given my direct experience and all the information I had at the time. But new revelations opened up my eyes to the errors in my perception. And once I straightened those out, my understanding of my reality more greatly aligned with, with reality. The entirety of emotional disorders is like this. Nobody who's only dealing with an emotional disorder is nuts. Their feelings are simply operating on a lack of all the facts, on, on information that is not entirely accurate. This means it can be straightened out and fixed. And once this happens... Many feelings will adjust accordingly with the new, more accurate perceptions. Now, going back to episode 21 with Jessica, here's a major takeaway point that I want to share with everybody. Listen closely. In that show, Jessica stated the following. For me, what has caused this problem is mm -hmm. all the many occasions of my life where I have opened myself and trusted the person I'm with and have been badly hurt. It's a tricky one because not trusting intimacy is a rational response to having past intimacies abused. Okay, did you get that? 
All right, hang on to that. And now listen to what she also said in the same program. And I'm really referring to one of the things that you said, because it does strike a chord with me, that if one is in a situation of emotional unhealth, one is drawn to other people who are themselves in situations of emotional unhealth. Let's all listen to it again, back to back, and see if a light bulb comes on for you. If you can make the connection that I'm trying to help you see. For me, what has caused this problem is Mm -hmm. all the many occasions of my life where I have opened myself and trusted the person I'm with and have been badly hurt. It's a tricky one because not trusting intimacy is a rational response to having past intimacies abused. If one is in a situation of emotional unhealth, one is drawn to other people who are themselves in situations of emotional unhealth. Let's listen to it just one more time. First, she says... For me, what has caused this problem is Mm -hmm. all the many occasions of my life where I have opened myself and trusted the person I'm with and have been badly hurt. It's a tricky one because not trusting intimacy is a rational response to having past intimacies abused. And earlier she had said this. If one is in a situation of emotional unhealth, one is drawn to other people who are themselves in situations of emotional unhealth. Who has Jessica been investing her intimacy in? What sorts of people and why? You see, because of her own behaviors of being drawn to others who are themselves emotionally unhealthy, she has herself exposed her intimacy to the wrong sorts of people. And what happens? The emotionally unhealthy people who she's naturally drawn to and who do not have a healthy view themselves of what intimacy is, its value, its solemnity, they then abuse it. What is the result? Well, her fears of intimacy are confirmed. I say confirmed in air quotes. But do her experiences genuinely confirm that intimacy should not be given to others? No. The only thing her experiences confirm is that she continues to expose her intimacy to emotionally unhealthy people. And the results are just what they are. The results are naturally what they are. The real lesson here is that your direct experiences, although they may result in rational behaviors, does not mean that you are seeing the whole picture, that your perspective is correct, and that therefore your behaviors are healthy. Folks, that's all I've got for this week. I hope I've given you some things to think about. Thank you for your patience and understanding uh, for me missing an episode last Thursday. Glad to be back, and I'll talk to you real soon. Have a great week.